Everyone has their own unique views and needs when it comes to financial success. If you'd like to leave your financial woes behind and live a life of financial freedom, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. The show will help you with the ins and outs of money. We talk about financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars and keeping you up at night. We talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, 401ks, risk management, retirement, and everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Now, here is your host of Saving with Steve, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. Pretty much everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. My name is Steve Sexton. I want to thank you for joining us today. Again, I want to thank you for sharing with your friends, your family member, your associates. We have over 600,000 listeners. We just added UK Health Radio. We got another 44,000 listeners just in the last month and a half. Um, and, you know, coming from another 56 countries. So we're really excited about that. We have an outstanding show. We're going to be talking about money, a lot of money. Now, you know what? Society, you know, today in society, we've morphed from a democracy of people into more of a democracy of dollars. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. Our federal government and the uh, legislative as well as the executive branches was designed to protect and serve all Americans have become servants to special interests who in today's pricey politics have brought their way to the, bought their way to the head of the line. We have Richard Jacobs, author of Democracy of the Dollar. He's going to walk us through what we can do, all that kind of good stuff. I'm going to be talking about holiday shopping, how to, you know, some budgeting tips to avoid overspending. But this next segment is just awesome. You know what? The reality is people found out through the pandemic that quite frankly, hey, they can work from home. They can start a business from home. And the reality is before the pandemic, American entrepreneurship had pretty much been on its deathbed for you know multiple decades. But the pandemic has triggered a revival of small business startups nationwide. Hey, we have Trey Williams here. He's the co-founder of Petrus Brands. He's a highly sought after expert in franchise relations and acquisitions. He's going to be revealing key strategies for launching a business during the pandemic. Now, what's really interesting about this is today's entrepreneur must be prepared to evolve to serve customers and demands that vary from community to community, which is real interesting, even though a lot of it's online. And, you know, his new book called Bross Brain, it's a five-star book on Amazon. Or, you know what, it, you want to check it out. But before that, let's go talk to Trey Williams. Trey, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here because, you know what, um, a lot of things that are occurring now, there's a lot of people who with, it almost changes like on an hourly basis of what the temperature is, how things work online. Uh, how they connect with people, all sorts of stuff. And a lot of people who are looking to start businesses are quite frankly, unequipped, maybe not skilled. So you know what? One of the things I want to start talking about is the baseline of this is why is it nearly impossible to start a business right now that serves consumers on a national level? Well, I think we're seeing this on the news every day on every single channel, the, the enormous backlogs of logistical challenges and shipping and transport. Um, so what you're seeing is, you're seeing major players who have very strong logistics and shipping systems are really getting hung up and bottlenecked in a variety of ways. And if the monolithic corporate conglomerates can't get their product shipped, I assure you, you as average Joe, small business owner, 
are going to face similar challenges. Um, so, so, so really, I've been telling a lot of consumers these days that we got to we have a real salient opportunity and aspiring entrepreneurs to localize and hyper localize their businesses because there are products and services that the big guys simply can't get to your neighborhood or your community or your town. And, and you've got an opportunity to compete and punch way above your weight. Oh, that's wonderful. So, so basically what you're saying is if you focus on the local community, you might be better off at building a flourishing business. And possibly when the supply chain and everything catches up, it's right for expansion because you've already developed a business there. Absolutely. You're, you're able to really compete and take market share from much larger companies because they can't get their products and services to your community. But you're right there in the community. You're able to, to build relationships with those customers. So by the time the logistical chain gets sorted out and everything's smooth again, you'll have had the opportunity to establish those relationships and keep those customers. That's, that's, that's real interesting because if you think about it in this environment, if you're focusing in the local market, you can actually compete really well against a, a Costco or a Walmart because they just I, might not absolutely. have that product. Yeah, they just simply can't, you can't get it on the shelves. And we see this all the time starting in March of last year when everyone needed toilet paper, right? <laughs> and uh, it, it continues today. Items are, are out of stock. Services are unavailable. Appointments can't be made for months at a time for some services. So uh, you know that that kind of uh, demand with lack of supply is a real opportunity for aspiring entrepreneurs. That's wonderful. Now, now we we've been talking about. Um, okay, so we have a ton of people that are reevaluating their world when it comes to employment. Um, you know what? The reality is the cat's out of the bag when it comes to people working at home, and a lot of them just don't want to go back. And I, I get that because it's more convenient. Um, it might be they might have a they feel they have a better work product, but you know how do you use this labor shortage to your advantage when launching a company when you know there's so many people there's like 10 million people not at work right now. Yeah, so the the pandemic really revealed this idea that 26 paychecks a year and 14 days of vacation was what we all thought might have been the height of stability was really a house of cards, an absolute house of cards that came tumbling down, and and everything that you thought was predictable, what I call in the book predictable adequacy. Uh, was snatched away from you in, in an instant and had no fault of your own. You know, no, uh, there are a lot of mid-level managers and folks who had worked very hard to reach somewhere in their career that were then deemed unessential. Uh, frontline employees were immediately hired back. Top-level executives never lost their job. But there's this mass of people out there who really were deemed non-essential. And I hate that term because mm -hmm. I think we're all essential in some fashion. And, and those happen to be the people who have that opportunity, the capital, the wherewithal, the connections and and the network to be able to start their own business. And we're seeing that when August, 4.3 million Americans quit their job. They weren't, they weren't fired. 4.3 million Americans quit their job. So the, the question is, did they go to start their own business because they got back to uh, a job that they realized they didn't love? Or did they get back to a job they didn't love and now they're, they're seeking uh, something more gainfully employed? Either way, this shortage gives you the opportunity to work side by side with that, the same like-minded types of individuals who are all thinking and, and at least attempting to do the same thing right now. So, uh, you know, the labor shortage where you get very heavy people-dependent businesses is really struggling right now, either because people don't want to work or simply because there isn't enough people in the workforce to meet the demand, maybe a combination of both. But the right services, the, the right systems set up give you a way to circumvent that and provide products and services to people because you can formulate your, your business model now, whereas the, the previous folks who were so heavily dependent on labor, their, their business model is already the one that's suffering. So you got a chance 
really to snatch up some market share for people because you can be more creative in, in your people allocation. No, that's that's wonderful. You know, and, and it's it's real interesting uh, what you're saying is because uh, I read a study that people are leaving the workforce, bad boss, bad leadership, bad work environment. They're 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 working 18 hours a day with no reward or even appreciation. And they're just trying to find something better. And I see where it makes a lot of sense for people, like you said, who have the skills and the ability. The other thing that I saw in talking on the um, the corporate world, and, and I know this from which happened in, back in 2008 and 2002, where they just said, you know what, you're 65, 60, or I'm sorry, 57 to 65. And they said, you know what, you make way too much money. We're just going to dump your salary. And that's basically what's happening. Um, in my practice, I probably helped 10 people in the last six months um, who have been, they had the salary dump. And one was yeah. actually hired, by, hired back by the same company at $50,000 less. And that's because they knew that he only needed to work for another two or three years, but yeah. they saved $50,000 plus, plus, plus um, benefits. Yeah. So I was super happy to see 4.3 million people quit their job because this is how capitalism works best. The definition of capitalism is the voluntary participation in this system. And that's what drives the economy is this voluntary participation. So if someone's not providing a livable wage or the right benefits or the right upward mobility, they're going to lose their employee because we have seen that this is a house of cards anyway. Why suffer in predictable misery when I know I can find someone else who is competing for my time, competing for my skills, for me, for competing for the value that I can bring. Uh, I, I think companies are, are going to get a rude awakening now on how you can treat your employees with the expectancy of their, you know, the lifetime contributions they're going to make there. You know what? I actually agree with you. I think they're already hitting the rude awakening. But you know what? We're we're already going really, really fast here. So, hey, hold on a second. I got Trey Williams. You don't want to miss this. Hey, we got to pay some bills. We're going to be right back. Stick with us. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, I want to welcome you back to the Saving with Steve show. I truly want to thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you letting your friends and family and associates know about the show. Hey, all the replays are available at savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information and insight on Saving with Steve, then I encourage you to go to Spotify or Google Play or YouTube to check out our show. You know what? You never want to miss one of our, uh, our affiliates here. I want to send some love out to them. UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City will soon to be on E360 TV, Las Vegas TV Network, 
All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of personal and financial freedom. Hey, you can also follow us on Facebook at savingwithsteve.us. You can get beside the scenes stuff, guests, gifts, and more. So take yourself to the next level. Now, we're back here with Trey Williams. He is the author of Boss Brain. He's been giving us some wonderful understanding of what's going on in the market and why entrepreneurship is taking a big step forward. One of the things I want to talk about here is this. Um, there's a big surge in startups, um, but the reality is 99% of Americans will work for you know, 1%. And this is expected to occur by 20, uh, 2040. So why is that kind of the case? So uh, as, as recently as the late 90s during the second Clinton administration, self-employment in the United States was about 13, 13.5%. That number is down below 7% now. So in a 20-year span, it has been cut in half. Now, on that trajectory, that would mean that somewhere probably by the mid-2040s at the latest, 99% of Americans are going to work for the other 1%. And Steve, if you think there's social unrest or or uh, you know, discontent associated with inequality now, uh, with well, 1% having 99% of the wealth, wait till 1% sign 99% of the paychecks. You know, then, then you're in a position where you, you almost can't overcome the inequality, right? So another one of the reasons why this is so important and why I'm on this mission to rescue a million entrepreneurs from traditional employment is entrepreneurs volunteer more with charitable organizations. They give on average $1,200 more a year uh, to nonprofit organizations. They're more civically minded. They serve in, in voluntary roles within their community. They vote more often. They commit less crime. They live longer. They're healthier and put less of a burden on the healthcare system. Their children are seven to eight times more likely to be entrepreneurs. And I could go on and on and on with the positive contributions that self-employed make into a community. In fact, look at any statistic across the nation, find a community where it has extremely high levels of self-employment. And I guarantee you, I will show you a safer, more harmonious and vibrant community than a community that has low levels of self-employment. And this is true all across the nation. So self-employment is such a critical part of the fabric of society. It's such a critical part of the, the harmony and the self-satisfaction and life satisfaction that we feel. But we're becoming victims of our own success here, where predictable adequacy is dangled in front of us from the time we're sophomores in high school, go to school, get a job, you know, churn away for 40 years, get a gold watch and retire, right? That we've been assimilated into that system. And I'm really trying to reverse that. You know what? I also think people don't realize now, you know what? My dad was probably, you know, my dad retired at 56. He worked in the uh, defense industry. He worked for the company for 35 years. And you know what? Pretty much after the wall fell down, it became a strategy to lay people off. It wasn't, yeah. you know what? And right after that, we started seeing people losing their pensions and stuff like that. So people need to understand a business is a group of people. I get that. But when you're looking at big businesses, they obviously have the best interests of the business at heart. They do have human resources there. But at the end of the day, you're there to fill a role. And you know what? Quite frankly, they're going to make that role profitable for them, whether it be overworking you for the dollars you receive or whatever. So it's important that it's not always, you know, having employment is great, but it's not always about you. No doubt. So I, I am in no way trying to vilify those who prefer to be gainfully employed and not on their own with that too. I absolutely not trying to vilify that. In fact, I, I'll give you a metaphor that I use very often to talk about why that's so important. So imagine 5,000 years ago, there's a thriving group of humans, some living on some coastal environment, 
And one particularly optimistic group says, you know what, I'm going to, we're going to build a raft and we're going to go see what's on the other side of the horizon because we think something wonderful might be there. We're going to build a legacy. We're going to thrive in that environment. Well, of course, there were people standing on the beach that were saying, dude, what are you doing? This is insane. Stay here where everything is predictable and where everything is solid. This was Mother Nature's way of keeping us all from jumping on a raft, hitting a hurricane and killing species, right? We needed the groups of optimistic people who wanted to sail beyond the horizon, just like we need the people who want to stay on the beach. Yep. The difference is now those scales have tipped and everybody is staying on the beach. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So here's the thing. I'd like to spend uh, the rest of our time, which is about four or five minutes. Um, you know what? How do you find the right venture? You know what? You know what? You get obviously things depend on consumer exam, demand, need, and other thing. And you know what? Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, sometimes people pain is you know where you want to go. So help us understand how you find the right venture. So, so we're in a great place to figure that out in society right now because my my standard answer for this has always been for decades. Uh, look at the pain points that you and the people around you are experiencing. What problems need to be solved? And if you can think of it from a perspective of providing benefits to someone, not necessarily products or services, like how am I going to benefit their life? And you solve that problem and it benefits them in intangible ways, peripheral to the actual product or service that you gave them. Then you've got something that other people are going to gravitate toward and buy into immediately. So we're surrounded by problems now that you, this is uh, uh, this is very evident in the shipping and transportation industry, which I own a company in. And there's such enormous demand, can't find drivers, can't get products where they need to go, ships waiting offshore at the docks. These are problems that we could all work to solve locally with that provision of service, like we said earlier. So it, it, you've got to start by providing a product or a service that solves a problem and doesn't just give them something in their hand to take away tangible, but then has peripheral benefits as well. Now, okay, so... If somebody's looking at a franchise and there's a lot of franchise brokers out there and stuff like that, how do you how do you evaluate whether it makes the most sense for you as an individual? Is it skill based? Is it uh, obviously there's monetary stuff there, but you know what? How does you find if it's a good fit for you? So I, I was in the franchise industry for a couple of decades, and um, I, but before I left to, to start the mission that I'm on now, I, I really realized that franchise, the franchises that do extremely well are ones who focus strongly on the core values of the franchisor being matched with the core values of the franchisee. Most franchise agreements are a 10-year agreement, at least. Some of them are even longer. And that is an awfully long time to be legally and physically bound to another party if you're not culturally consistent with that party. And here's why. Culture is binary. You're either in or out. There is no such thing as saying, well, I kind of fit in here or I kind of don't fit in here. You either do or don't. It's a one or a zero. So as a result, you've got to look at that first before you examine the financial metrics of this and say, these are people who I don't mind being in a foxhole with. These are people who I could wake up every day and be glad that I'm sharing part of this life with them. And if you can overcome that hurdle first, the rest of it is just math. Okay. So basically what you're saying is you want to make sure you're not the three-fingered stepchild, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I get that because, you know what, we all know somebody that just isn't a fit with a group. And if you're with that person for any long period of time, they just grind on you just because it might be a personality thing, belief thing, whatever. And you want to sure. make sure you're going to be able to live that because you're really married and you don't want to have no a doubt about marriage it. for 10 years before you get out of something. 
that that's no just brutal. Uh, and that yeah. makes for, you know, you know, you can see I have lost hair, but I mean, that makes for a, a, a lot of stress you just don't need. So that's really, really good information um, because there's, uh, and the reason why I'm asking that is because some of our viewer blogs, um, there are some people in there that are saying, hey, I want to only look at the financial metrics and all that kind of stuff. But you brought in the most important point because if your head and heart don't match up, it's not going to work. Yeah, no, the financial metrics are important and you should do a lot of due diligence. Go through all 23 parts of their franchise disclosure document. Talk to existing franchisees. Do a lot of due diligence. As you said, it's a 10-year marriage in, in effect. But regardless of the amount of money that it might bring in, it's difficult to offset an inconsistent value you know, disparity between who you are and who you're working with. Oh yeah, totally. Hey, you know what, Trey, I want to thank you for being here. Like I said, the first segment, it goes like this. <laughs> um, you know what, what I'd like you to do is, you know what, I know people can get your uh, book boss brain at Amazon. Where else can That's they right. get it? And you know what? I know you help people become, um, you're, you're on a mission to help a hundred, uh, a million, uh, I'm sorry, a million entrepreneurs. Um, how can people get in touch with you? How can people work with you? All that kind of good stuff. Well, it's really easy, Steve. So it's you can go on Amazon and find the book. I've been very humbled and honored by the reviews. We made top 10 new releases last week in startups category with the book. Uh, never cool. thought I was going to see that coming out of the gate. Super excited. And um, you can order the book through Amazon, either Kindle or the hard, hard copy. And if you'd like to chat with me personally, there's nothing I love more than talking to current or aspiring entrepreneurs. And you can go to Trey Williams, that's T-R-A Williams.com. And my whole life story is laid out there for you. And there's an opportunity to shoot me an email, uh, have a have a conversation. Um, I'm, I'm a speaker and I, I speak about this book and this mission that I'm on to rescue a million entrepreneurs from traditional employment quite a bit. So anything I can do to contribute to that mission or contribute to people's communities and livelihoods, I want to be a part of. Hey, Trey, I want to thank you for joining us. Great pearls of wisdom. I mean, there for me, there was a few ahas there. And I know there's a few few people out there going, oh, I didn't really realize that. So I want to thank you for that. Definitely go to Amazon, pick up uh, his book, Boss Brain. Uh, this is Trey Williams. Hey, thanks for being here. Hopefully have you back again. We'll see you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. You got to stay healthy, stay safe. See you. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. That was Trey Williams. Wonderful interview. Hey, you can go get his book at Amazon or you can go to his website if you want to get a hold of him and have a conversation about uh, entrepreneurship. You know what? You want to stick with us. We're going to be right back. I'm going to be talking about holiday shopping and budgeting tips to avoid overspending. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. 
Hey, I want to welcome you back to the Saving with Steve show. Wasn't that wonderful, Trey Williams? You want to go to Amazon, pick up his book, Boss Brain, especially if you're looking to be an entrepreneur. And if you need extra help, always you can go check him out at his website. Now, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about holiday shopping and budget tips for overspending, okay? Um, the reality here is this. We are 100 days away and it's already time to start preparing for your your shopping list, okay? While 2020 certainly did not meet anybody's expectations, there are traditions we all like to hold on to and make special for the loved ones, right? Okay? And if you, even if your budget has changed considerably this year, a little bit of planning could go a long way to prepare for your holiday season. You know what? This is a time where people typically spend beyond their means. Last year, as Americans racked up over $1,000 in holiday debt, according to Magnify Money. Okay? 8% of the survey, you know what? Said they wouldn't be able to pay off their credit cards by January. And another 15% said they'd only be able to make the minimum payment. No matter how ready we think we are for the holiday season, December seems to like show up just like that. This year, American made record gains in paying off credit card debt as a result of staying at home, orders, the recessions, the money they, they, they put into the economy. And since the holidays might look a little bit different this year, with smaller gathering, maybe more time at home, it might be perfect time to get a new plan in place with the goal of avoiding a big credit card hangover on January 1st. So what I've done is I collected five little pieces of tips that you can utilize right now to help with that budgeting and tips on not overspending. So first of all, you want to start with a list. List everyone you usually buy a gift to her, from your mother-in-law to your cousin. If you don't want, you know what to want to buy them, you can simply put down, I'm going to spend 50 bucks, okay? At this stage, it's best to overestimate a little bit per person because if you buy a gift, you know what? I live here in California. We're, you know, between federal and state taxes, we've got about eight, eight to ten percent. So if I put fifty dollars there, I'm going to have to put fifty-five to make sure I cover the taxes. After you have a gift of all the people that you want to give something to, or a list of those gifts, begin to think about your costs associated with the holidays. You know what? Will you be spending on Christmas cards this year? Will you be spending on wrap? Will you be spending on shipping things? Okay. Are you hosting Thanksgiving? If you're planning a smaller get-together, it's important to consider those costs. It's also a good time to start planning your holiday travel. While you may, uh, you know, while many people might choose to stay closer to home because of COVID, you could find yourself taking more day trips or even long drives in the car. Include the estimate travel costs in your holiday expenses. Number two, let's build the budget and start savings. After you make a list of your upcoming expenses, look at your current budget to make a plan for how to pay for everything. Now, it's a good time to start slashing extra, stashing extra cash so you can be ready for additional spending, okay? Either in your current savings or designed for the holidays. Now, Alley Online Savings Account has a great, great deal there, but here's the thing. My wife and I have a travel account. We have a holiday spending account. We have an emergency account. You know what? We put money into it each and every year and we stash that money till it gets to the goal that we're looking for and we add 5% in case of inflation or additional costs. You might want to do that too because if you start saving now, you'll be in a better position with not using your credit cards come December. 
Fair enough. Next, number three, you want to use those coupons. Okay. Well, you certainly can still find paper coupons in the magazines and the newspapers and all that kind of good stuff. The definite, you know, coupons have definitely changed. There are easier, faster ways uh, of searching for discounts that doesn't require, you know, some scissors or browser extension for online shopping. One of the most popular browser coupon extensions is Honey. It's H-O-N-E. Just go there, okay? When you're checking out nearly, uh, where you can check out nearly all the online stores, Honey automatically scans the web for coupons and promo codes, and you can find the best savings before you click the word buy. The service is free. You can even earn Honey rewards in form of cash back on purchases over time. Now, there's other services like Rakuten, which is like Honey, but features rotating cashback offers. You got Price Scout, which comparison shops to find the best price. You got Jum Gumdrop by Good Shop, which helps you locate deals and donates a portion of the eligible purchases to schools or nonprofits. You got Coupon Cabin, which gives you price saving tips based off Google searches. And you know what? You always have Groupon, which has been there forever. So if you're traveling, hey, you can get parking at five or six dollars off per day. You can might be able to find shuttles or cruises or life experiences or equipment or gifts that you can buy at discounts on Groupon. So check it out. Number four, hey, get the most out of your credit cards. This cash is tight right now. You want to pay off your holiday purchases over a course of 12 months, consider applying for a credit card that has 0% interest. You know what? You need to have good or excellent credit to qualify for no interest credit cards, but using a card with an introductory rate of zero gives you a temporary period of time to pay off your bigger holiday purchases without incurring any interest, which is big, especially when interest is ranging anywhere from about 12 to 23%. Okay, and these programs usually have give you the ability to pay off things in six months, start paying off in six, nine, 12 or 18 months. Now, you might have to still make a minimum payment, but some of them also have it. So when you make that payment, you don't have to do it. I have a lot of people who are shopping through tires and they've gone to certain tire places that give them six months, same as cash, but then they have to pay everything with interest. So it could be what you're looking for. Sex, right now, you want to look at many different cards, okay? Some will actually give you, um, some will actually give you bonuses. So, for example, you sign up on a Chase card. If you spend $500, they'll give you $200 in bonuses, providing you spend $500 over three months. If you buy Southwest Airlines, hey, you know what? You might have to pay the annual fee, but they might give as much as 100,000 points because you've spent so much. But if you think about that 100,000 points, that could be as many as 16, 17, 18 flights, which is worth three or $4,000, which isn't too bad. Now, there's a lot of things you need to take a look at. Introductory APR might be zero for 10, 12, 15 months. But once that's up, you're looking at 14 to 15%, maybe as high as 23 to 24% interest in order to continue with that card. So you have to have a plan in place to pay off the money that you're borrowing on your credit cards. Otherwise, you're just going to run deeper and deeper into debt. Okay. Look at balance transfers. You know what? I was talking with this with one of a client who got themselves in trouble because they're helping out one of their kids. And what happened is their current credit card is charging 15% interest. 
And I said, you know, how long will it take you to pay this off if you stop, if they stop adding interest to it? They said, well, about a year. I pay this much every single month. I said, okay, great. Okay. Instead of paying 15%, why don't you pay three or 5% to the transfer cost, have no interest rate for a year and save yourself 10% interest. Okay. So you could do things like that. All right. You know, obviously special terms apply, all that kind of good stuff. You know, that's really, really, really very important. Next, you want to sign up for credit monitoring service. Let's before we can get to there. This is the time where, you know, one of the downsides of the holiday shopping is that it deviates from national normal behaviors. It makes it easier. We deviate from normal behaviors. That means we're all more cheery, more, more helpful and helpful, but it makes it easier for fraudsters to get personal information. So since most of them are doing shopping online, you know what? A large purpose might purchase might go undetected, okay? Since it's all so busy. So we might wanna check our credit card statement as closely as possible here so we don't get caught up on those couple other things. If you got personal information and things like that on browsers, get rid of it. Because if somebody gets into your system, they're gonna take that stuff and steal your identity and you don't need that. You don't need to go through the hassle during the holidays. Secondly, you wanna make sure anytime you buy anything online, they have that secure emblem Okay, that locking thing that says, hey, you're buying something secure. Otherwise, you could be open to having your credit card stolen, your identity stolen, a malware on your computer, all that kind of good stuff. So with that being said, it's a good time to sign up for free monitoring services. Okay, so you know what? There's many free and paid credit monitoring service. You have identity forth. You've got all sorts of ones. So you want to check those things out. Okay. So, Hey, look, you know what? That's it for this segment. Again, think about protecting your assets through credit monitoring, making sure you use the right credit card with the lowest interest, making sure that you're using coupons, making sure that you have a list and you're trying to stick within your budget. Okay. And account for those extra expenses that go along with Christmas. And you have that list just like Santa got to check it twice to make sure it's right. All right. So, hey, you want to stick with us? We've got uh, Richard Jacobs coming. He's going to talk to us about his book, uh, Dollars, uh, Dog Democracy for Dollars. Again, that's Democracy for Dollars. If you want to stick us, we're going to be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. 
Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. And you know what, this is a unique episode. Um, you know what, I was really thinking about our next guest uh, statement that was sent to me before we had him on. And regardless whether you're Republican or Democrat, it really doesn't matter. One of the things that we're really seeing in our society, and, and you could see this in the recent political years, is, you know what, we've really morphed from a democracy of the people, by the people, for the people, to a democracy of dollars. We've got, you know, two political institutions of our federal government, the legislative executive branch. They're designed to protect and serve all Americans. But quite frankly, they've become servants of special interests who in today's pricey politics, quite frankly, has kind of bought their way into the, the leadership line. You know what? We have Richard, Richard Jacobs here. He's our author of Democracy for Dollars. He's going to walk us through what's going on, and he's going to give us some ideas on what we can do. So, you know what? And I know he has this wonderful book called Democracy for Dollars. So with that, Richard, welcome to the show. Welcome. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're feeling well today. I mean, you know what? Uh, our listeners don't know this, and I hope it's okay if I share your health stuff. Sure. Richard Richard's battling cancer right now. He just had his first treatment and he's feeling good, which is awesome. You know, uh, being a guy that uh, survived colon cancer, I can't say my first chemo treatment was awesome. <laughs> so uh, with that, I think I'd just like to get into it right now because a lot of people might be feel, you know, there's not equity. There's this, uh, you know, things like that. They're not getting their fair share. They're not being heard. Okay, and I'd like you to just start with the discussion of, you know what, the democracy of people versus the democracy of dollars. So if you can help people understand that, I think that'd be wonderful. Okay, let me ask you, would it be possible for me to share a screen? Because I have a diagram, which I think would help do the explanation. Is that okay? Sure. Richard's sharing a screen. And if you're going to be on the podcast, this is wonderful. It's on the radio. You won't be able to see it. But I think you're going to be able to hear what's going on with this and understand what's happening. So go ahead, Richard. Okay, you can see my screen? Yep. Okay, great. Uh, this is a doodle that I made maybe three, four years ago as this problem became evident to me, which I then ultimately became the theme of the book. But if you look at the two triangles, the triangle on the left is what I call the democracy of people. The triangle on the right is what I call the democracy of dollars. A democracy of people was based upon people. People, it's our democracy, it's our government, it's, it's us who run the show. And so the people provide a very solid base. The people have, have adopted a constitution. The constitution is of we the people. And in that constitution, it was adopted, as Jefferson said, to protect our unalienable rights. That's the purpose of the constitution. And, the, and in the Constitution, the people have delegated to the legislature the right to make pass laws, and they delegated to the executive branch the right to administer those laws. And then we have the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is outside the triangle. It's supposed to be the, the rules callers, like an umpire, calls the balls and strikes to make sure the legislature and the executive branch are operating for the benefit of the people. But what has happened over the years, it's been a long time coming, but it's been really in our, in our decade that has come to the fore, is that doc, democracy of, of dollars people has been inverted. So if you look at the upside down triangle, the people are still there, 
but they have very little say and they're very precariously located. We still have the constitution, but a lot of what goes on is outside of the constitution. Uh, we have the legislature, but the legislature spends half its time raising money and dealing with lobbyists and doesn't really pass a lot of our laws. Our executive branch has become our real government. It's, it's become uh, the maker of our laws. It become, has become through administrative agencies, the, the maker of the laws, the enforcer of the laws, and the interpreter of the laws. And on top of it are special interests. So the response of the executive branch is primarily to the lobbyists and the special interests and the people down at the bottom have really lost control of the government. So that's the problem fundamentally as I see it. Now, okay, so basically what we're seeing is, as you said before, um, it used to be everything was about the people, the constitution, the legislature, but now it's more about special interest, the money, dictating what the executive branch is going to do, what the legislature is going to do. Because basically, if you hear about the legislature, all they're looking at doing is raising money and trying to be in the office the next year. But they are going to negotiate their way one way or another to stay in office. And um, a lot of times they give up their power to other people or those special interests to make sure they can stay there. And obviously the constitution takes a beating and you know what, as, as people, as everybody, everyday people busy in our own lives, we have more or less and less control over that, Is that right? That's absolutely right. Okay. And, and basically, you know, if you don't have a hundred thousand dollar contribution in mind, it's pretty hard for you to talk to a congressman. Yeah, I can see that. This, all the studies show that what's on the minds of the people receive very little attention in Washington and really in our state governments. Now, here, here's the other thing that I thought that was interesting. In the last election, there was a number of billionaires that were uh, creating political action groups and supporting or not supporting or uh, campaigning against with their ads and things like that against certain uh, politicians because they wanted to get control of the house and stuff like that. And the more people they had control, again, we're looking at special interests. And I think you see this in California, you're starting to see it in Texas. You've already seen it in New York and many other states. This is just something that's going to continue to occur. Is it correct? That's right. Okay. So, well, let's talk about the Supreme Court. Um, you know, their, uh, their deference, you know, they're, they're supposed to be that um, that that umpire, but you know how are, you know they are they failing to solve the problem or over time the Supreme Court has has adopted what are called deference rules, which means they're rules where they don't really decide the issues. They say they say the particular problem or question before us is the political question, therefore it should be solved by Congress or it should be solved by the exec, executive branch and not us. Um, they're really. So to kind of simplify it, there are really two prongs that this goes by. One is the, the court has deferred to Congress to delegate its legislative authority to the president. So right now, the president, through the administrative agencies, makes about 10 times as many laws every year as does Congress. It makes, say, 10,000 laws to the 1,000 laws that Congress passed. So we have this deference. To, to, to the legislative branch, that creates a significant problem. Uh, if you think about it for a minute uh, today, uh, because Congress is so inactive, 
the president passes a lot of what are called executive orders. All right, so Trump passed the executive orders that replaced Obama executive orders. Biden comes in and he passes executive orders that replace Trump's executive orders. So we have absolutely no consistency. We don't have the consistency that legislation gives us. We don't have the hearings to talk through legislation or debate it. It's just, I'll do this executive branch, and, excuse me, this executive order and it'll last as long as, as I'm in office and it goes away. Then the other thing is, the other area of deference is, is that the court has said, we can't protect rights because right, protection of rights are, are, are a political question. We leave that to the executive branch or we leave that to the legislative branch. But if you think about it, if the legislature doesn't listen to the people, the rights are not being protected. So you can't, you can't today vote. I, I use an example in, in Democracy of Dollars. I use uh, Farmer Brown and his hen house. You know, if the hens who are being pursued by the fox go to Farmer Brown and ask for protection, and he says, hey, we can't protect you. You got to make your peace with the fox. They're not going to be protected. So that's essentially what we have today. The, the, the Congress is essentially the fox and not protecting the people. Mm -hmm. Those are the two prime problems. Well, you know what? We got to take a break. We've been going at it for almost 10 minutes now. So everybody, I have Richard Jacobs, author of the uh, book, uh, Democracy for Dollars. And we've got a lot more to go through, so I wanted you to stick with us. We're going to be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where, you know what, I really truly thank you for tuning in and appreciate you letting your friends and family and associates know about the show. All the replays are available at savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information and insights on Saving with Steve, hey, please go to our Google Play, Spotify, our YouTube channel so you'll never miss a show. And check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City. We'll soon be on E360 TV, Las Vegas TV Network, and others. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of personal and financial freedom. You can also join us on Facebook at Saving with Steve Sexton uh, and join the Insiders Club, get behind the scenes, uh, photos, gifts, and books, and so on. So thank you again for joining us. Our membership is just over 612,000. We just added another 44,000 through UK Health Radio, uh, which is international. So we're very excited about that. Now, 
We're right back with Richard Jacobs and his book, Democracy for Dollars. Now, Richard, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was the issues of gerrymandering, voter suppression, and how that's accomplished where people don't realize it's being accomplished. Okay. Uh, what gerrymandering is, it deals with the way legislative um, locations are, are organized or, and that's done by the states. The constitution really delegates to the states the prime right to make voting laws, to decide voting laws. They're not decided by the federal government. And the constitution says very little about voting. So what the states do, they, they decide the boundaries of voting districts. And they do that based on population. Uh, when I was in law school, which was back in the 1960s, it was pretty well understood that gerrymandering was illegal. And there were cases that were decided that held up that gerrymandering for racial reasons was, was illegal. In other words, if you, if you dive the boundaries of a voting district in such a way as to exclude a minority group from having an equal voice with the rest of the population, that was considered to be illegal. Well, what happened about two years ago, the Roberts Court decided yeah, it's not legal to gerrymander for racial reasons, or those kinds of reasons are protected by the Constitution. But you can gerrymander for political reasons. What you can stop and think about is really gerrymandering for racial reasons. But what happened after that is all the states, I happen to live in Florida, Texas is this way, there are, uh, Georgia is this way, there, there are many states are this way. They are redesigning the the voting district boundaries in such a way as the votes of minorities or Democrats, in this case, because most of these cases are controlled by Republican legislatures, don't have the equal say to the rest of the vote. So gerrymandering makes the votes of the party in power have more to say than the party out of party power. Oh, okay. So, you know, and obviously it's a way to do voter suppression. Okay, so um, <clears throat> let's also talk about what, what you call the great compromise. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize, you know what, how much politicians compromise and for what reasons. Okay, the constitution, if you look at the constitution, it starts off by saying we the people, but if you get right down to it, it was really a compact between 13 straight states. 13 states passed the constitution. It wasn't that they had a a general election throughout the United States. In fact, when the Constitution was first adopted, the president was not elected by the people. The president was elected by the state legislators. The same way with the senators, they were elected by state legislatures. Only the people have the right to vote for the House of Representatives. Um, and they made several compromises because the small states and the, the southern states didn't want to be overwhelmed by the northern states or by the larger states at that time. Virginia was the largest state, about half a million people. So what they agreed was that every state would have two senators. Uh, I don't think they looked into the future to see that Wyoming with two senators and 500,000 people had the same as California with 40 million people and two senators. So one of the great, one of the great compromises was to give really a strong vote to geography. If you look at it, it's a geography vote. Um, it gives the geography of the country uh, an equal say in the election of the Senate as, and it doesn't give population 
that that's what, one of the great compromises. There were others. For example, you want to amend the Constitution. The amendment of the Constitution, again, is not determined by a, a voice of the people. It's determined by the vote of the states. Each state has a vote in it. So it becomes very difficult to amend the Constitution unless you have the, the states vote for it. For example, uh, in the 1920s, there was a, a proposed amendment for equal rights, to give women equal rights with men. That has never passed. Florida has never voted for it. So it sits there. It, 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 so to get a, amendments passed are very difficult because it takes a geographic vote versus a vote of the people. Oh, so, okay. So now one of the questions I have is, you know what, obviously this is going on. What can people who are reading your book, everyday people do to bring back the focus to buy the people for the people? Okay, I, I think there's really two things. First of all, what, what's happened is if you, if you uh, there's a lot of non-voters. Uh, in, in the federal election last time, there were 80 million non-voters. That's a lot of people. If you, if you look at the primary elections and the, the elections between the national vote for president, roughly only 30% of the people vote. So what that really means is that the candidates are selected by 15% of the people. And they're usually not representative of the people, they're usually representative of special interests. So and extremely important that people vote. And despite the fact that some states are making it tougher to vote, people have got to vote. The second thing is people, I think, have got to uh, bind together, join organizations that are trying to help people vote and trying to give people a voice. We can't just sit by. A lot of people said, my vote, my vote doesn't count. I can't do anything about it. But the truth of the matter is you can do something about it, but you have to become politically active. Join a group that, that meets, that does kinds of things that you're interested in, and be sure you vote and get your friends vote and help other people vote. Those are two extremely important things. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is there's a lot of people complain about politics, politicians, all that stuff, but they still don't vote. That's so right. if they really want to say they need to vote, they need to get other people out to vote. That's exactly correct. We have, they have to make an informed vote, too. And that's really tough today because a lot of the information out there is not so accurate. But they have to study issues and, and, and make informed votes. And, and uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. A lot of people, the information they receive is not accurate because with news organizations, a lot of people don't realize it. The new organization is designed to um, make somebody anxious, greedy, angry. Um, and, uh, and you can see that just by the stories, because if they're not, people ain't going to watch them, which means they can't sell advertising. And if they, they favor one politician or the other, you see the slants with the stories, whether conservative or liberal, it doesn't matter. You see the slants with the stories, depending on the news agency. So people need to understand that, you know what, you don't always want to get your information from news agencies. You want to find the source and understand what's being voted on. Because like in California, um, you know what, they had the, the thing where everybody voted on whether stores could offer, you know, um, paper or plastic bags. OK, and basically what happened is they did away with the bags and people had to bring their own 
and it, they caught they charged the money and people who voted for that the next day didn't know exactly what they voted on right. uh, and the same thing goes with the uh, there's the, the the recent one with the prop 19 in california where you know it's laying the foundation to do away with the, the prop 13 but also get an increase in property taxes so it makes it more expensive for people to own their house uh and you know makes it more expensive for people to transfer a house to a relative or something like that when they pass. So, you know what, I, I agree with you. People really need to get out and vote. They really need to understand what they're doing. They just can't follow some talking head that might not have their best interest in mind, but somebody else's agenda. Yeah. And, and what's happened with the way the news is you're referring to the way the news is published today. I, I just did a blog and this came, this came really came up after I finished the book just in seeing all the chaos that's occurred since, since the early this year. But the, um, I call it the Milgram effect. We may, may remember from psychology courses, college if you have it, there was a Milgram, a Professor Milgram that did a study. He had a group of people that he brought in as, as, as to, be, to do this study and, and they were supposed to put electric shocks in other people. And they were supposed to follow orders and they kept putting in shocks. It was all faked, but they didn't know that. And so what he found was that people will follow orders and put in shocks and shock people just because they're told to. And of course, he was at that time studying what really went on in Germany and why all the good people you know, supported Hitler. Well, if you look what's going on today, we have a, a, a Milgram effect because I think of all the bad news. People are becoming more um, cantankerous. They're becoming less kind to each other. They don't want to listen because I think we've been, we're all suffering from this Milgram effect, all this bad news. We think we can do it too because everybody else is doing it. So we have to pull ourselves back and realize what the constitution says. It, it says in its preamble that it's for the general welfare. Now the general welfare is not for my welfare, it's for our welfare. And so we have to think in, in terms of what's our responsibilities to each other. And if we lose that as, as a guide, then we have nothing but a despotism. And that is not exactly where we want to end up. Yeah, I agree with that. Hey, Richard, I want to thank you for joining us today. Hey, where can people get your book? Okay, it's, it's available from Amazon, from Barnes & Noble, from Apple Books, and any online seller of books. It's, it's available from, from them. Um, and I priced, I should say, is I priced the electronic version at $3.95 because I'm not trying to make money from it. I'm trying to get the message out. So I wanted to make it economic so any, anybody could afford to read the book. And get the message. Did you hear that, everybody? You have the ability to get Richard's book. You can do it e economically. You can do it on Kindle. You can buy the book itself. You can go to Amazon. You can go to Barnes & Noble. So go out, check out his book. I think it's a wonderful read. At minimum, if it helps 15% more people vote, that would be wonderful. It would be great. It would be great. Hey, Richard, I wish you the best in your treatment. Thank you Thank for you. joining us today and sharing this with you because I think it's a message that needs to be shared. And I wish you um, happy and healthy, okay? Thank you.
Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody, Bye-bye. that was Richard Jacobs. You, you just want to go check out his book, um, Dollars for Democracy. And, you know, it'd be a wonderful thing to check out. Now, you know what? We had a wonderful episode today with Trey Williams. We talked about holiday spending habits. And when he talked about do- uh, democracy for dollars with Richard Jacobs, that's it for the show today. We'll look forward to seeing you next time, this time next week, right here on Saving with Steve. So you have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton. To learn more about the show and how to become a guest or sponsor, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Join us again next time as we continue to talk about everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. This has been the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton.